Hello. Hello. And welcome to Finish, Finish Big. Big. I'm Mark. And I'm Joe. And we are listening our way through all of Big Finish. With the odd stumble. In what way? Uh, well, <laughs> you'll find out when we discuss the stories that we're going to discuss well, this they're week. not that bad. Um, they're not find, that bad. I think bad. you'll find they are. You have a positive attitude. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nerve, you telling me that. <laughs> I've just said that to you off mic. <laughs> necromantia. Okay, anyway, well, we right. are talking about today... We're back to the Doctor Who main range. Yes. Well, I mean, we've just had three absolute belters, mm. don't we? Church and the Crown, Jubilee, and Bang Bang a Boom. Mm. I don't think you can't say this as strong as the last bunch. No, but they're not as bad as what I think people say. Well, we'll see what the hosts say later on, won't we? Yeah, those hoes, man. They have, oh, they've been, have you seen? They've been getting in a few rows. Have they? On the threads? Yeah, a couple of them been round oh, with each know. other. Well, I've not seen. Yeah. We're starting debates and um, <laughs> arguments now on Twitter X. Anyway. Anyway, well, today we are talking about yes. three Doctor Who main range That's stories. Right. No, I've got the quotes ready this time. And they are... Yeah. Necromantia. <laughs> I was born with the trouble tattooed on my ass. <laughs> the Dark Flame. Sleep as for Chelonians. And Doctor Who and the Pirates. Thank you, but no thank you. There's a reason their blood's red. Mm. It is a mixed bunch. It's a fun bunch. <laughs> it's definitely a mixed bunch. Two of them are shit. <laughs> well, well. Well, should we go straight into them then? Talk yeah, about them. yeah, yeah. Are we in 2003 now? 2003. So this is like the, sort of the experimental year, this isn't is it? It's the 40th anniversary year. So this is the year that's got... The last three were 2003 as well, weren't they? Chosen the Crown, Bang Bang a Boom. No, it started with Jubilee. Oh, okay. So Jubilee and then these, which are mm. fairly experimental in their own way. Then you've got stuff like Creatures and Beauty, Flip Flop, the Villains Trilogy. So mm. I feel as if Big Finish are no longer resting on their laurels. No, they are trying different things, yeah. at least. We can say that, at least. Yes. But well. when you try different things, it can tend to be hit or miss. Well, let's head off to the Garazone system and our favourite bazaar. I knew I was waiting for you to do that. Oh, aren't you a funny little creature? So Necromantia was released in February 2003. <laughs> Unfortunately. With our TARDIS team, Peter Davison, Nicola Bryant and Caroline Morris as Eremem. Yeah. This story also features Glyn Owen and Simon Williams. So that's Rom Dart and Captain Gilmore. What a team. Yes, this was written by Austin Atkinson. Yeah, more on him later. Directed by John Ainsworth. More on him later. And music by David Darlington. Less on him later. Okay, this has got the reputation, hasn't it? Of being a total dog. Did it have that reputation <clears throat> straight away? Was it like when it was released... I've Everyone never, hated it. I have literally never heard a good word said about Necromantia. No. It's usually held up as an example of where everything goes wrong with a big finish story. Yeah, I mean, I got this at the time, and it, I just, it just didn't really interest me that much. I didn't really get past part one. I don't think it just was a bit. You didn't get past part one. What? Did, it just didn't really go anywhere. It wasn't that interesting, and you had those witch voices. Oh God, yeah, more than You've that. You've got later. obviously got, it's quite violent. Not the like the characters aren't particularly likable. It's very much like a mid eighties Eric Award. Is that what story. it's trying to be, though? I'm not sure if I'm honest, but like. You've got a bunch of unlikable characters. It's very violent in places. It's nasty towards women in places. It has a 
bleak ending. Like, it, I, there's just nothing likeable about this. It starts off all right, because we've got, like, our Garazone Bazaar, and you've got Perry and Eremem doing some shopping. You know, having a, it's that fun team that we've had in the Church and the Crown. Barkovin from an old ex-soldier. Is it a deity? <laughs> some say it is. Some say it be a demon. It's a centaur, isn't it? Call it what you like, Terran. But I know I've seen it with my own eyes. But I still had them, that is. Where? Where have you seen it? I can't rightly remember. Memory not too good, you see. Would you remember if we bought your sculpture? Maybe so I would. And then again, maybe so I wouldn't. Here, ten, uh... Credits. Credits. That's all we have. Strange thing. It's coming back to me. Funny, that. It was not so much where I saw it as when. When? In the Great Wars, it was. Sometime during a battle. Necromantia destroyed mythics. She was a fearsome figure. Four great legs. A main fire. Who's the flashed lightning? Face. Such a face, the likes of which you have never seen. Even when I put here a very boring first episode, exploring planet Zog. <laughs> Lots of annoying cackling, dialogue that lacks repartee, the regulars are too obviously characterised, a mid-80s tone, oh, and a room full of corpses, I'm not sure what that's all about. Um, but, but I wasn't impressed with that first episode at all, I was so bored. Well, going listening to this again, because I have not gone back to this for many a year, like <laughs> reason for that. <laughs> 2003 probably, it wasn't... So, but I followed it more this time than did I you ever enjoy have. It? I, no, I did not enjoy it. I liked Perry and Eremem at the beginning. Oh, I see. Are you considering it a win because you managed to follow the story this time? Well, I didn't really follow the story this time. <laughs> oh, no. So you didn't enjoy it. And what you I'm trying to say is, I can see why people think it's bad. Yes, I think it is. But you but don't it's not think it's as bottom of the barrel. Terrible. No, I think there's worse. Go on, somewhere I don't know Min- but... Minuet in Hell was worse yeah okay it? it's it's in the Minuet in Hell category well, but, uh, but only Minuet in Hell was worse because it's so much longer than this, this I mean this we've got to be thankful that they're like 20 pre- minute episodes yeah they're short episodes 25 minute episodes let's be thankful for that but I, di- I know it's those witch voices yes. not a good what's because the one's sound... Julie Cohen yeah because it... they sound like the rat in No Place Like Home that we've just and had. the cackling witches in the Stephanie Cole one, the fourth Doctor one. Oh, God, the abandoned. Yeah. That's, that's got, terrible. That that's is in this category as well. Witches. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Tell us a bit about the making of this. What was the intention of this? Was it supposed to be like this? Well, <laughs> here's what I've gleaned from the fabulous book by Benjamin Cook, Big mm. Finish, The Untold Story. Of course. Um, that's running out soon. What it are you going to do? I know. I'm going to start begging people to give me trivia. This was supposed to be Eremem's first adventure after Eye of the Scorpion. And it was pushed back because Austin Atkinson had other work and he wasn't ready. He did? (laughs) (laughs) Who gave him other work? Well, he didn't get other work again, did he? (laughs) Not from Big Finish, anyway. Um, John Ainsworth, who directed this, is quoted as saying, "Um, initially I thought the script lacked something, and I still do, to be honest. The regulars, particularly Perry, didn't behave in character. She is. She is the new version of Perry, this new 
Fifth Doctor and Aramem team Perry. Full of spunk Perry, you know. Well, she gets naked and covered in oil, doesn't she, in this? Yes, well, I've got some trivia about that. That's typical Perry well. behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> it is when written by Eric Sabers. Apparently, all the initial 2003 stories were directed by other people. If you notice, we haven't had a Gary Russell directed story for a little while because he was so busy working mm. on the script. So there was a lot of trouble with the scripts at this point. There was far too many characters in the original script and Gary Russell had to turn, get this, four or five characters into a single character, Talis. So Austin Atkinson just wasn't working as if Big Finish is a small company. I think well, he was... Wo- he? Where does he come from? Does, no what idea. does he know? Like, has he done audio before? Is this the problem? I, I don't know, but apparently, you know, he's working as if they can bring in, you know, hundreds of actors mm. to play these roles. Gary Russell rewrote a lot of the dialogue for the Dr. Perry and RMM, and uh, John Ainsworth is quoted as saying it's much improved on the original. And he says also he worked very hard with the cast because he was irritated that disturbing things would happen to the characters, particularly Perry and RMM. But only a scene later, they'd completely forgotten that they'd been through something traumatic. And that does happen in this. There's, yeah, there's but why, yeah, a, why is that even in the script in the first well, place? Though? Let's get into that then. Because it's a bone of contention to me that we are even talking about the possibility of a rape scene in a big finish story, which would never even be considered. Now the scripts are going through Cardiff. Even Aramem being beaten up wouldn't be mm. considered. And by Rome Dutt of all people as well. <laughs> that makes it a million times worse. And he does actually say, doesn't he, you'll pay for that. And then you hear it's her struggling. Implied. And I know a lot of people, this is everyone online is like, Necromantia, it's the one where Emmerman gets raped. It doesn't actually happen in it, we have to be clear. It's very heavily implied that there is violence towards her, but it's not... It doesn't actually happen in it. I think the the legend about Necromantia is that it happens. A bit like Dodo getting the STD or whatever in that missing adventure. It doesn't actually happen, but it's always talked about as if it does happen. It's still pretty bad what actually is implied in the scene. Yeah. Oh, really bad. I mean, in but I see what you three, now. You said that though. Yeah, the scene afterwards, she brushes it off. Yeah, and it's and, like, well, oh, it just carries on. When she goes, I managed to fight him off, or something like. There's, there's, there's a. But then it sort of fits. It's a bit because Aramem. I mean, I'm not saying that it's like it should happen at all. I don't think it should. It's very bad taste that this is even in it. But it's the, because it's the per, the character of Aramem. It's a bit like Leela. She probably would fight it off, and it's it's because she's that historical character from that time where it probably happened all the time anyway. Well, so I've got a quote here from Austin Atkinson, and this bothers me a lot. Uh, And I'm pleased he never came back for another one. And I do think there's a rumour that Peter Davison complained about a particular writer and said he would never work with that writer again. I can't see that I think it's this script. I don't know if that actually happened. I don't think... The rumour's out there. Anyway, um, John Aisman says that Austin Atkinson left it ambiguous in the script, so he never uses the word rape, Yeah. And the, they ha- actually had conversations where they said, no, we must definitively state that she wasn't raped. So that means the implication was there, yeah? Austin Atkinson then goes on to say, oh, this is so troubling. I really don't like this. If you were a 10-year-old listening to Necromantia, you wouldn't know what rape was unless you'd been terribly exposed. 
So you just presume that she'd been beaten. Oh my god! And that's a better option. Like, why is that even? Why is she even been beaten in exactly. this story in the first place? Exactly. What, it what does appalling. it add to the story? Yeah, nothing. At all. All, we already hate these characters in part one. Let alone yeah. by the time it gets to part three, where this happens. Rome Duck guy, didn't he say, like, hang on, what is this script you've given me? Like, I just think it's pretty appalling that a writer would turn around and say, well, it's all right, she weren't raped, she was only beaten up. That's terrible. I can't believe they even... How did the script even get made? Well, like like I said, like I said, Gary Russell was clearly snowed under, and so maybe some of this stuff just went under the radar. And even with all of that stuff, even the actual sci-fi story isn't very good or clear. Anyway, there's a ton of techno babble in this. I don't mm. know, understand what any of it means. The, the only thing is, though, at the beginning, I said it's only it's not like so bad. It went by. It didn't actually drag this time. Like that part one when we listened to it, it just happened and it no, was no, part one. No, it didn't one. drag for you. Part one is probably all the best part of this. It and dragged then it for goes me. Downhill. I kept saying to you, come like, on. By the time it got to three and four, yes. I was the one begging for us but to listen to the I was really trying in part one to be like, okay, this is happening, this is what's going on, this is... And I did really try and follow it. It gets and to then, a point in part three. Part two, when the Doctor's head is being cut off. He <laughs> is supposed to be his head is cut off, which I... I do quite like that sort of hint to the season 19, those two cliffhangers where they don't cut his head off. Yeah, but but actually, in, they do cut his head off at this point. He's in some weird dreamscape But then it goes, when it goes to that weird dreamscape, and then it's like, actually, what happens after they've cut his head off and eaten his body? And then Why does a, that happen? Then there's a ton of technobabble. And then at the end of part three, Davison makes this great exclamation, you know, it's not going to be the end of the universe because it never will have started in the first place. Yeah. And I was like... What? What's going on? Like, I have no clue. It's so yeah. unclear what's going on in the script. And because it's all tied into both science, the technobabble, and mysticism, the witches, mm. I couldn't get a handle on any of it. Because there's no characters that you give a toss about no. in it, you're like, why am I listening to this ugly script? Um, well, I've got a few more behind-the-scenes facts, if you'd like to hear them. Um, Atkinson, I think he might actually have the hots for Peter Davison because he's quoted as saying the fifth doctor is a total act it's nothing like Peter Davison he is a charming smooth lady killer and he's a very talented actor as well wow I know, a lady killer I've just looked him up on TARDIS wiki, do you know what else he's done Go on, tell me. in the world of Doctor Who it's tomorrow people no, he wrote Naked Pantier and then apparently it says here Ten years later, became the director and producer of the animated episodes of The Reign of Terror. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, didn't I sound like one of those witches then? Didn't I? Well, so that's his oh, day job. Christ, do you remember that animation? That's his cut, day job. Cut, cut like a Tarantino movie. He, you know, uh, what's his name? Paul Addison, the politician in this. He was the one character I was sort of trying to follow. Because that's Simon Williams. And Simon Williams is usually very charming. Um, but he's playing as some slimy politician in this, isn't he? Atkinson says, I wanted him to be completely naive about the darker side of human existence. But still, he pursued the Elysian dream. Partly because of the mathematical beauty of it, and partly because he could do it and no one else could. Oh, I didn't get that from the story, though. No. That's an interesting reading. I don't know reading. what that means. No, that does not well, come no, across. Well, no, because he, well, he's, he's following... Im- he wants immortality, doesn't he? He wants to live forever. That's what Paul Addison says at the end. That's why he's going to all these lengths. Oh, I couldn't really understand what he was the politician of, though. 
what he was in charge of or anything. I couldn't understand the backstories of any of these no, characters. No, I didn't. I got when they were shopping in the bazaar. <laughs> but that was about it. Oh, and there's that, um, the Doctor visits that creature friend. That dies. He dies. He gets killed. Oh, it's just miserable, isn't it? Antronac gets killed. Yeah, Antronac. No, no, he doesn't get killed. He, gets, he jumps into the thing at the end and becomes... He can talk. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I was trying to imagine that. Atkinson mm. says the second he heard about Antronac the cat, he knew he was going to be instrumental in the climax. Mm. Why can't the Doctor just have a pet? Oh. Um, my biggest issue with this, though, is... Sorry, is Jilly Cohen as the witch because she's kind of doing the voice like this well it's been I will it's be been treated the unbeliever I don't think it is it's been treated. treated that is not her actual voice and then loads of lots of cackling screaming and cackling all the way through it's it's sort of it's ugly in its tone it's ugly in its um incident it's not easy and to it's listen ugly to. in your ear it's as not well easy to listen to, no. it's just unpleasant it's no. not pleasant should we move on to something more pleasant? I know. I've got nothing I don't nice to say about we this. We can't really say anything. <sighs> Look, I wrote here at the climax: immortality, groan, Antronac, groan, very quick ending, groan. Because the ending, like um, Antronac becomes this great god or whatever it is, and then they just go well back to the TARDIS. Do yeah. I was like, <laughs> and the good thing is though, is they're not long episodes. That's the the good it. thing is it's over in and a And it hurry. is a shame because if you've got, you've had Eye of the Scorpion, Church of the Crown, yeah. it's really good start for those teams and then you get Necromantia but right there. It's always like, it's like what you said about the apocalypse element. You get, when you're doing like a marathon, yeah, you're like, you yeah, yeah, Marion yeah. Conspiracy, Spectral Anymore, Spectral and anymore. then you're like, oh, you got, there's always that one. It's always the third one. It's always that one and you're just oh, like, no. oh, I've just got to get past you that. You know what the third one for Hex was? What? Dream time. Dream time. Oh yeah. my god! No, that's his second one actually. Oh, that's even yeah, yeah. worse. Yeah, whenever you're doing these marathons, there's always that one. It's just like, oh, oh I've got to get through this to complete the sake. It's I not, mean, that's not a very nice cover either. Nah, it was sort of just green. green. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With that lady killer Peter Davison on the front. <laughs> it's what definitely one of the weakest ones we've done so far. It is. It's there with Minuet in Hell. And, is uh, it worse than Land of the Dead for Peter Davison? Or. Yeah, at least there was something more to Land of the Dead. This is definitely the worst Fifth Doctor story we've had. Because I feel I like the Doctor and this were well characterised in Land of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, just why would you do this to people? I mean, this was set... This was originally going to be a Fifth Doctor and Nyssa story. Imagine what's going to Nyssa <laughs> happen. You're going to get Nyssa covered in oil and Being saying... Raped. What was it? You bet your ass or whatever she, what she's saying? No. <laughs> you can bet your ass, Doctor. <laughs> I'll be troubled right up to my arse. <laughs> I want to hear this is saying that, but I don't want to hear her being raped. No, no, Jesus. no. Um, this would never be made today. No. No, not in a million years, no. No, I think Cardiff would take one look at the script and say, it's hideous. Get rid of it. So let's get rid of it. Let's move on. Okay. Like we're mostly here to celebrate, and when we've got this many bad things to yeah. say about something, well, next we got <laughs> the Dark Flame, which was released in March two thousand and three, <laughs> and this brings back the New Adventures team of Sylvester McCoy, Sophie Eldred, and Lisa Bowman. Can I ask as you a Bernice question? Summerfield. Can I ask you a question? Hang on, I haven't done my bit yet. Oh, sorry. Go on. <laughs> this was written by <laughs> Trevor Baxendale. Uh, directed by Jason Haig Ellery, the big old cheese up there. Uh, music by Andy Hardwick. Uh, oh, sorry, this also features... Who does it feature? Oh, Stephen Wickham. Oh, it's Joseph. Michael Prayard. Yeah, who's quite famous. He's got a big theatre actor. Mm. Sorry, 
Now what were you going to say? Well, my question is, do you think after Shadow of the Scourge we needed a second New Adventures story? Well, like you say, they've been a bit more experimental. And it, I quite like... It's a bit exciting when there's like a team that you didn't get on TV and there's going to be fans of the, the New Adventures. I, I don't know, it feels like... Especially at this time as well. I mean, I know we've got Paul McGann as the Doctor, but they'd only recently... they were At one point, they were the current TARDIS team. Yeah, so to have them <clears throat> perform, you know, and get Lisa Bauman in with Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Eldred... I, and I love when they do the novel adaptations later on. I think they should do more of these things, of these sort of book adaptations or original stories with the with the New Adventures team. It's something different, isn't it? Well, you know why the book adaptations work so well? It's because it's a second go at a story that's already been mm. written. So you can actually take a look at the story and say, right, what works, what doesn't? Let's build on that and turn it into an audio. But this is why that first series of Bernice works so well. Mm. Just War, Walking to Babylon and things mm. like that. So this doesn't have a great reputation either. <laughs> does it? Does no. It? I do know. Okay, I generally, I'd really, I don't mind this one. Yeah, can you explain that then? Come on, tell me I why. I, maybe it's that combination of hearing Lisa Bauman as Bernice. But I don't know. It's a, it's a, nice, it's a fairly simple story. It's not as mind telepath great master plan as a new adventure it's not as complicated as a new adventure i don't think we go in anyone's mind in this i one, mean but we? you weren't f- fans of shadow of the scourge particularly well, i didn't mind it i didn't mind it but i mean this i found one, it a bit okay. smug this and wasn't smart but this was way trad wasn't it it was very trad it, doctor it's who. very well yeah maybe that's yeah, why I like no wonder it, you loved it maybe that's why you got okay you've got a scientific base which they land on, where all the personnel appear to be just lovely. And the Doctor's coming to pick up Bernice, isn't he? Ah, Lemnox! <laughs> <laughs> He's got his best mate there, who seems to have been hurt for some reason. Um, and then it turns out that, obviously, the people from the base are all part of this sinister cult. dark flame cult. Mm. Yeah. Um, which I'll, I've got some quotes, but Trevor Baxter himself said he wanted to explore. Uh, then you basically separate them, and it turns out that they're trying to simulate a black light explosion last seen in the mysterious planet um, to... Actually, can I do it? Because Sylvester McCoy got given okay. so much babble in this. Don't give Sylvester McCoy babble. It's a really bad idea. He goes, The dark flame, a negative energy beam from the dark universe. One of the pocket dimension forced out of existence by the formation of our universe. The skull is parachronic. It exists outside of this space-time continuum, capable of controlling a black light explosion. I mean, <laughs> I mean, when there's that much technobabble involved in the climax, I do wonder whether the story's worth it. Were you so, following all of that? No, not really, but it's, it's still a fun story. Um, why was... You said something about Sylvester McCoy, why he sounds so bad in this. What was the circumstances? Sylvester McCoy was only available for the first recording day of two days, which meant he had a very long day in the studio because he had to do all of his scenes in one day. Which could be why he sounds like he's talking very fast a lot of the time. (laughs) And apparently the second day was very leisurely for the rest of the cast because McCoy's in practically every scene. They only had about five scenes to record on the second day. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Ace in this, yeah. Sophie Eldred, yeah. she's the new adventures version, oh, but she's not so Shadow bad. Yeah, you've got to give her that. Come on. When she had her ears pierced, and mm. I don't mean as in she had an ear in she had her ear, ear mm. lug holes pierced, and I she th- was screaming her head off. I in think this, she's much more balanced in this. Well, she just sounds like normal Ace, yeah, she's but normal she's got Ace. a big gun, she's yeah. threatening people a and bit. And what I liked about this as well, episode two, 
it's nearly all Lisa Bauman. It yes, could have marvelous, been marvelous, isn't it? That just was the, the best that, bit when it's um, Bernice and she goes down. She's get transported down and she's finding out. Like that could this could just be an episode of Bernice Summerfield that happens to have a bit of Ace and the Doctor in. Yeah, and she's fab, Bernice in this. But Lisa Bauman what? is yes. famously scathing. I don't see about why. This uh, she didn't like doing. She felt as if she was coming between Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred as a well-established team, um, and she just said she didn't think the story was particularly exciting, and she didn't think the dialogue was. And I, but don't... I quite like the play between her and a- her and. Ace get on quite well. They've got a bit of a, oh, yeah, what's going yeah, on? No, no, you know? no they, were, they were good. The like chemistry that. was good. But, man, this is a functional story. And she what is right. Is. The dialogue isn't great. I mean, I wrote down a few quotes. Um, there's a bit where Sylvester McCoy goes, Love will be turned against hate. Parent will be turned against child. I was like, <laughs> what does the second half of that line mean? <laughs> and then there was a bit where Bernice went, um, it was horrible verging on disgusting (laughs) that's the sort of terrible dialogue they're getting in this I can see why maybe she took a bit of an exception to it okay give me one good thing about this then what did you enjoy actually I wrote down quite a few things but Benny's great I really like how she was utterly condemning of how pathetic the dark flame cult was because Bernice is a sort of sarky character isn't she Mm. so when they're trying to be all sort of very serious and you know we venerate the great skull and the black light and she's just there taking the piss the whole time. I loved having Joseph in this. Stephen Wickham can mm. do no wrong. Please be gentle with him. And can't get into the timeline of Joseph and who this is. And this all is supposed things. to be He's before. working out, yeah. Isn't it before? Because yeah. it's the guy that's based on jo- no, Joseph or something. Anyway, there's a com- complicated continuity Joseph thing here. So somebody, it's great to have him in it. I think somebody dies in this whose Joseph's personality was yeah. based on. yeah. And then the robot takes on the personality, mm. and that's the Joseph we have in Bernice. But it's, yeah. yeah, you're right, it's a bit muddy. But the Joseph that Bernice has is a copy of this one, it's not this one. Yeah. I do think whilst he's playing a pretty substandard villain, Michael Braid was great. Like, he's got a really... He's, he's got, got the voice deep... for an evil villain, so, hasn't can... he? And do you know what, right? Mark and I were listening to this, and I said, oh, listen, one fellow, he's got a really evil voice, and the woman sounds like absolute squeaky clean innocence. So she's going to turn out to be bad and he's going to turn out to be good. And then it turned out they were both bad. But we found out he was bad first because he sounded bad. Yeah. And then at the end of episode two, she's like, mm-hmm, you didn't suspect me at all. I am also a member of the Dark Flame. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Um, he's been you... in Emmerdale. Who has? Michael, Michael Braid. Oh, that's interesting. Are <laughs> you looking at his IMDb while we're <laughs> yeah. recording? Um, I did have warning Claxons going off though when in the very first scene Sylvester McCoy was saying it's filling my mind oh we did start off with a, <laughs> a bit of a new adventure in my mind oh professor something must be up trust Bernie's to stir up trouble wherever she goes oh turn it down can't you it's the telepathic circus they're overloading I, I can tell you something that I think was very weak in this story, mm. and that is Weston McCoy, who has never I, sounded yeah. more under-rehearsed and as if he's just making up his line readings as he goes along. But if he's only available for a day... Yeah, but they, they sent the script early. He's not reading it. 
So um, McCoy never reads the script. I can't, it's one of the people that either you or I have interviewed recently actually said on the recording, Sylvester McCoy does not like dialogue-heavy scripts. So he'd, <laughs> ra- he'd rather have sort of snappy, eccentric lines than big, long dialogue, you know, mm. paragraphs of dialogue. And unfortunately, he's not only got power, but he's got a shit ton of technobabble. He's got to say in this as well. And the way he's saying it, I kept looking at you going... I don't know if he's going to get through this sentence. (laughs) It's sort of like, it's suspenseful, not because of the story. It's suspenseful suspenseful because, well, is he going to make it? (laughs) No, I did notice that, yeah. Weirdly enough, you know, I I didn't think this felt like a new adventure because it was very trad. But until the last episode where there was a, a, a quite uncomfortable scene where Bernice beats up Ace... And I know she's sort of under mind control at that point, mm. but she actually goes, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And because mm. they had this sort of very twisted, toxic friendship in the new adventures. And that was the one point where I thought, yeah, this is as uncomfortable as the NAs. But it's weird because in Shadow of the Scourge, I mean, on the, if you go by the cover, it's the ace in her PVC oh, with the tits out. thing. Yeah. I didn't it. I didn't imagine her in her PVC when I was listening to this one this time. It sounds like her in her bomber jacket. It just it? sounds like in her jacket, yeah. yeah. But but the doctor does mention she went and she's like an excellent Dalek killer. She's been hang- hanging out with what's his name, Upsom Dark or whatever his name is. Appleson Dak. Appleson Dak. Upsom Dark. Did you notice as him? well? Can I say, did you notice that the entire conclusion was solved by Ace and Bernie's just pulling a lever? And then McCoy goes, Did you do it? And they went, Well, we don't know why, but we pulled the lever. And that was the end. And I was like, Oh, God. Like, even Trevor Baxendale says that he loves the final product for this, except for one thing hmm. the script. So he's even tough on it himself. Do you like his books? I do like his book, actually. Yeah, the book. Books. Uh, I think um, the Dalek one he did for the new series Adventures was the best new series. And the Deadstone Memorial in the Eighth mm. Doctor Lion's great. Eaters of Wasps, a really fun sort of target. Oh, of course, yeah, he did Eaters of Wasps. Um, yeah. Jane's Conjunction, that's quite fun. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think he's good, but I don't know if he's great for audio because he then comes back and does something inside oh, for the Eighth God. Doctor. Yeah, maybe that's the thing about if you're not used to writing audio... And this would have could have made a really great new adventure it novel. It might have been a good book, yeah. It might have been know. a better book. It would still be very cliche, though. Colts and skulls from the dawn oh, of time. That's and Doctor Who, in it. Image of the Fendor, in it. Image of the Fendor, in it. <laughs> uh, I did have one other quote. He says he wanted to take a step away from the doomy and angst-ridden reputation that the new adventures have built up. Well, then why are you writing a new adventure? Like, if you're going to do... Like, Paul McConnell absolutely wrote a new adventure for Shadow of the Scourge, mm. didn't he? With all the cliches. If you're going to do this, don't just write a normal Doctor Who story and slap those characters in it. Because well, that's a wasted opportunity. I think it said on the CD, didn't it? A sidestep into... That's what they always say, yeah. With the, the new adventures. different thing, yeah. Well, I obviously didn't do very well or sell very well because they didn't go back to do this lot until the Apparently those two ones, yeah. and Holy Terror with Frobisher. Yeah. Those were the three that sold the worst. Sh- but I bet if Frobisher came back today or they did the new adventure, 
OMG, cannot believe it. Everyone will be going mad on social media for all these great returns. Oh my God, the Dark Flame 2, cannot wait. <laughs> Screaming, crying, shaking. <laughs> if Frobisher came on the new series, Robert Jessup would watch it and then wait by the phone. Come on, big finish. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting. Do you know, I didn't think this was appalling. Like, this skipped along. Um, it no, did, it's not. I was bad. sort of going along ticking the cliches as we yeah. went. But it's got Lisa Bowman But it's still got all those cliches that Shadow of the Scourge had. But that's fine. Because no, no, you no. want... It's a new adventure story with this team. That's what you get with this team. Scourge had the cliches of the new adventures. This has the cliches of the TV series. Mm. But it does have Lisa Bowman in it. I think that's why I like it so much. Fun. She's yeah. really, really fun. If it was just a Seventh Ultra and Ace story, I'd be much more harsh on it, I think. Oh, the last one was The Rapture, wasn't it? Oh, God. I, I, I've got to say, I do think The Seventh Doctor is having a bit of a bum time at the moment. Because we've had The Rapture, which wasn't well-received. I know it was experimental, but it wasn't. We're Bang Bang A Boom, which, wait, was divisive. People either loved it or hated it. Then you've got The Dark Flame, which people didn't really like. And Colin Baker's getting Jubilee, Doctor Who and the Pirates, you know, like all mm. these absolute bangers. I feel as if McCoy's getting a short shrift at this point. They turn it around later on. Yeah, I but think. he doesn't know he's getting that because he doesn't read the scripts until he's recorded them anyway, so it's too late. I think the McCoy Renaissance starts when Hex comes. When the on. harvest, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get we have to get over Dream. We're sort time, of treaded but... water a bit until we get to some later on in the year. Yeah. I feel like we'll get this fortieth out of the way. Past the then we get the harvest and maybe yeah. the nicest thing to say. But this is like I don't. It, it's not great, but I didn't not enjoy it. I just wouldn't be in a rush to yeah. listen to it again. Okay, I thought it was going to be interminable, and actually, it passed the time all right. Okay, then come on. We've all been waiting for this. What the next story? Which is... one? Doctor Who and the Pirates. Oh yes, Go on. released in April two thousand and three with Dream Team Colin Baker. Maggie Stables, written by Jacqueline Rayner. Also featuring, who do we have? Bill Oddie, Helen Goldwyn. <laughs> Bill Oddie, oh my God. <laughs> Directed by Barnaby Edwards and music by Timothy Sutton. I've actually got a list of reasons here why I think this is one of the weakest Doctor Who audios. No, I've you're been, joking. I've been waiting to spring no. this on you all day. No, you haven't. You're here's, being so, no, here's my list of here. No. Yep, and I'm going to read through every single one of them now. No, what? No, you're you're tricking me. I'm not, tri- <laughs> I'm not tricking What's you. What's going on, everyone? Hey, Halloween. <laughs> What's happening? Oh, this is oh, diabolical. You. I'm sorry. No, you're joking. Yeah, I am joking. Oh, yeah. my God. I can't <laughs> believe you're saying this to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is how easy oh it is to lie to him. Oh he looks my so god. serious. I know, well, you I know. Like, my god, what's going on? Well, look, why don't you go first on this one? So, this is known as the musical one. Mm-hmm. So, we have very original, again, being very experimental this the time. Here we go. Duty. I knew this was going to happen. Captain Reard and crew, we cruise in search of booty, and Mark's got a fine booty. <laughs> <laughs> and it's written by Jacqueline Rayner as well. Oh, so, you cannot go too wrong. And it's we love her, don't Colin we? Baker and Maggie Staples. I mean, as well. The, the, oh, wait, let's just but, stop there. Colin Baker, Maggie Stables, Jacqueline Rayner. I mean, you can't Perfect go wrong. Team. How Perfect could you go team. wrong with that? And I'm not. I'm trying to remember what I made of it when I first heard it, because the narrative style. So it's Evelyn telling this story to the student who is played so by that, Helen Goldwyn, Nikki My Horlicks from Spe- <laughs> from Spectre Landon Moore. Horlicks. Oh yeah, sorry. Helen Goldwyn. You need um, to be more clear on this. <laughs> 
Helen Goldwyn, my whore. And you're like, where is this going? You're listening to it, you're thinking, okay, what is happening? Is this like an out-and-out comedy? What is this, like, back and forth? Is this, did this actually happen? Is there, what is going on? Here's a question for you. I mean, everyone loves the music. I mean, I bet we've got a lot of comments saying everyone loves this one. It's great. If it didn't have that musical element, would it still be a good story? Uh, yes. Absolutely it would. It's a fine piece of writing, this. Like you said, Evelyn's telling the story, so the whole thing has an unreliable narrator. That means that you can like edit the story, and mm-hmm. she does as you go along. Yeah. I really thought you were away. And you know what always goes well with cake in the cuppa? A good story. And you know what makes a good story? Pirates. Pirates? Yes. Anyway, I have a story about pirates. you love it. Imagine, if you will, that your favourite lecturer and confidant actually got the opportunity to travel in a time machine. Dr Smythe, it's lovely to see you. Bear with me, dear. So there I am, in a time machine. Oh, could you pass me a plate? I don't want to get crumbs everywhere. And so she starts telling this pirate story, but she's not very good at it, unfortunately. (laughs) And the, the characters are very caricature... They're supposed the to top. be. They're supposed well, they are. to be. Yeah, yeah, they are. But that's that's the style of it. And but it does the very Doctor Who thing of musical caricature pirates, and then a very serious sort of domestic story in the background. Yeah, which is exactly this. Yeah, but like, so Evelyn actually is quoted as saying, "Fantasy and reality can get confused sometimes," and I think there is a point here about Doctor Who historicals and how sometimes it is a a, fit, a sort of Hollywoodized version of history, a bit like sort of Robot of Sherwood or something like that. Well, I think uh, Jacqueline Renner mentions the gunfighters in the booklet. Yeah, like, yeah, a... and ju- and just sort of how you can misremember yeah. history and how, but then she does that, and then she proves that history has that bite at the end of this. Well, and we'll get to that later. But, oh, that first episode where Evelyn's telling the story, Sally's contradicting all the points that she's making. So Evelyn changes it. And then within the story, you've got the characters who are the actors in the story playing Evelyn, trying to edit them. I mean, it's so clever. So you've got this poor bloke going, oh, my name's John Johnson. No, my name's Tom. I always say this is jolly difficult, isn't it? The the narrative games that she gets mm. to play with the premise are very clever. And I think it's that wittiness and the snappiness yeah. of the dialogue which you get in Jacqueline Rayner's Benices as well. It's very much her style, mm. I feel. Absolutely. So why did they do a musical one? Was there a reason or how did it come about? Well, I've got lots of trivia about this one. Would you like to hear it yes, all before yeah. we discuss any more of the actual story and our mm. critique? Um, so Gary Russell wanted a pirate story... And originally, it was for the Fifth Doctor, Perry, and Aramem. Had that been the case, it would have been a straight historical adventure with no singing. But there was a switch up in the thing, so they ended up lumbered with necromancy. Oh my God. <laughs> Imagine the sixty oh evening. My God. Nec- oh my God, Evelyn naked covered in oil, please. I don't want to see Evelyn getting beaten up either, my God. Please, and as for the rape, I can't handle it. Um, But he decided to give Jacqueline Rayner her favourites. Her favourite is the Sixth Doctor. Still to this day, she's doing the Sixth Doctor. And it was considered that it wasn't going to be about Jem the Cabin Boy. It was always supposed to be Evelyn telling a story about 
being on a pirate adventure and losing somebody. It was originally considered that she found and lost love on a pirate. So she landed oh. on the ship, fell in love with one of the sailors, and then the sailors was killed at the end. And you would have sort of the same ending, because you could have her yeah. cradling the body of her love mm. rather than Jem the cabin boy. Um, but it No, was I think around. it works how it, how it should Jack be. Jack Raider said what she wanted was to focus more on her relationship with Sally and have that sort of uh, mentor-pupil relationship rather than a love story. The songs came about because Jack was looking for ways to tell the story. Devices that the Sixth Doctor and Evelyn specifically, because they're quite sort of heightened characters, would use. And then a, a non-trite way for Sally to be able to express her feelings at the right point. So she gets that ballad. <laughs> no, that's not it. <laughs> I need to live alone, I need to I don't know what no I'm singing. Alone, just you and I. <laughs> oh, Helen Goldwyn is brilliant as the student. And she's a brilliant singer. Les Miserables, then, you know. I don't know. Yeah. I dream a dream of times gone by. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. That wasn't the song you expected me to sing, was it? Uh, oh, yeah. I've got a great fact about um, the Dr. Merriweather jewel. You know, um, our soul... No, no, it's not... Oh, God. Please, please, allow me one more chance before you cut me down like a dog. You know that song? Oh, yeah. It was originally supposed to be Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better. Oh, yeah. From Annie Gets Your Gum. Yeah. But the copyright holders refused Big Big Finish permission. So they had to go with, I sail the ocean through, attentive to my duty. It was a three-day recording schedule instead of two because of the songs. Um, and they needed to find actors who were trained singers, and they had a musical director come in, Mr. Timothy Sutton. What do you think of the songs? Oh, they're brilliant. They really are. And the, the, the lyrics... Is that Jacqueline Rainey, the lyrics? Yeah, all of them, yeah. I mean, perfect, aren't they? All those references just put in... Well, that's just one song. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I think they're really well done, and they do tell the story... Very well. It's perfect for audio as well. I mean, I can't believe it's taken this long for Big Finish to do something like that. Can I just do one verse? Oh, God, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> we all knew this was you happening, didn't we? are going to sing. Well, yes, uh, I am. <laughs> I am the very model of a Gallifrey and Buccaneer. I have information on all... Oh, no, I've lost it already. <laughs> I've linked you to the Death Zone and I played the game of Rassilon. With pestilential monsters that I got a lot of hassle from. <laughs> Not sure that's canonical. Oh, I mean, it is great, isn't it? They, how many times have you listened to that? So that episode, I bet. when it first came out, are ridiculous. I mean, I love musicals anyway. I'm mm. a big gay boy, aren't I? So I love it. But Colin Baker fits it as well, doesn't he? The yeah. sick Doctor Colin Baker. Of all the doctors to have this bombastic musical. The song where he's going up against the other pirate, right? Mm. And he's there on the rigging going, please, please. I, was, I said to you, imagine if he'd been able to have this much fun on TV. Mm. If we could have seen Colin Baker swinging on the ropes, yeah. drinking the rum. People would have fucking loved him. Yeah. My favourite song is, I'm Jasper's man. It's Taliban. <laughs> in control. Da, 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 da. As Red's first mate, I subjugate and pulverate each man in great. Each man in great. <laughs> Is that the, the medley where you've got all three going at once? I don't 
the, yeah. Yeah. But what I planned, not on my hands, I face the shame, I face the shame, I face the shame. And Colin Baker's in there going, um, something about malice propensity or something. Oh, no, it's good. <laughs> I just didn't show you. So, Helen Goldwyn is a brilliant singer. Yeah, oh my god. Have amazing. you seen that Christmas song she's done? No. Hang on. Can you play it? Oh, she looks sexy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You're top of the tree. You're way off the chart. You're heaven to me. You've stolen my heart. You're an angel. You're my star. Look at what you've done. What do you think this is, Mr. and Mrs. Who? We do not have songs in the middle of our episodes. (laughs) So she's, yeah, she's a brilliant entertainer, Helen Goldwyn. The clever thing about that third episode is you think that the plot is running on the spot and then in the song that Sally sings on her own, we find out precisely what happened, which is that she was on the road, it was icy, Mm. and she murdered her other half. Well, not... By accident. Uh, yeah, by accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but she, and that she's living with the guilt of it. Yeah. But she also sings about the fact that she doesn't want to live anymore. Mm. So we know she's contemplating suicide. And we mm. find out at the end of the story, that's why Evelyn turns up. Because she wanted to give her okay. one night telling her a story. If you can just get through that one night where you think you're going to do something extreme, like committing suicide, mm. then maybe you can go on. And they make the point that if there's somebody there that cares... It makes it a little bit mm. better. It's so moving. It's brilliantly done. Do you think this would get through today? I actually think it would. Ter- do you think? I think it's subtly done enough. It's not explicit like Necromantia was with the. I so think this is so ways. near Necromantia, the release schedule. <laughs> the messages that they're both sending out are complete. No, I mean, you've got to remember, Waters of Mars had a character committing suicide uh, in it. So uh. I don't think it's too far out of the realms. Yeah. But. The, the the way this twists from being an outright comedy, it's like a musical comedy. It really does go from one thing and to another. And then in the last episode, where it, it's almost like, it, it's teaching you that lesson of like, okay, oh, you think history is a, a laugh. It's like what they do in the Myth Makers, and it's like what they do in the gunfires as well. Oh yeah, we're having fun with the gunfight, we're having fun with the Trojans and the Greeks. Oh wait, there's a bloody massacre at the end. Mm. At the end of this story, Evelyn's left cradling a young boy that she's tried to resuscitate, that she's got close to, that has been murdered horribly by the pirate that we've been laughing at for the first three episodes. But, oh, guess what? Surprise, surprise, he's a psychotic Mm. fucking killer and he's going to murder good people. It's really well done. And her her emotional reaction to it, Maggie Stables, how she plays it, just devastated, holding him as the Doctor finds her. It's just amazing drama. I think it's great. I agree. I agree. Um, I've got a few more. Quotes, if you want to hear them. Oh, yeah. Uh, So, Barnaby Edwards says, I cherish the thought of surprising Big Finish listeners with Helen Goldwyn's formidable singing ability. There we go. See, I said it as well. Apparently, Maggie Stables was anxious about her musical responsibilities, but she rose to the challenge brilliantly. She has a beautiful speaking voice, and we brought elements of that into Evelyn's sung passages. They call me evil, evil, and I am a pirate, genuine. Oh, so great. Can I ask you something? Mm-hmm. Is the Sixth Doctor and Evelyn, like, the peakiest peak 
doctor oh, and companion. Oh, we've said this already. No, 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 no. But, but like now, even today, given everyone that's come since, given all those companions well, that never, you love, there hasn't been a, another doctor companion like it. You can't compare them to anybody else. Why? I don't think. There's just something about them, isn't it? That they get on. They want to be in each other's company. It's that contrast of the Sixth Doctor and Perry on TV. And even like the Sixth Doctor and Mao, it's different, isn't it? Because they're equals. I think yeah. you've got co-leads with the Sixth Doctor and mm. Ethan. And she's as strong a character as he is. And he ain't going to push her around. I think it's the chemistry between the mm. two of them. It's I the think, actors as well. I think yeah. Colin Baker and Maggie Stables just love working together. And you can hear it in every single line. And that, that's what makes it work. And then they didn't just rest on their laurels and give them stories where, oh, well, they're having a jolly time. I mean, coming up again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. You hate that. Don't you make chocolate cake. <laughs> Very soon, everybody. Excuse me. Arrangements for War. <laughs> Arrangements for War is one of the few stories that makes me cry. When she, make a save. when she confesses to um, her new lover, mm. Gabriel Wolfe, <laughs> about about her mother. Do you remember? I am your new lover, oh, Gabriel Wolf. I'm not having a serious <laughs> conversation about Big Finish with you anymore. Sorry, back to the pirates. No, but they yeah. they they gave her challenging material. We've had mm. Jubilee so far. We've got the pirates now. We've got some very emotional mm. stuff coming up. I just think she's so great. Like I can't mm. express how great Maggie Stable is. There's also sort of calmness to her as well. Yeah, and a competence. And you just feel like you just love listening to her. And an emotional honesty. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. It's just she's just wonderful. Um, the original edit of episodes one and two were a complete disaster. Mm. Disaster struck at Big Finish Towers because David Darlington had done his job too well. So he'd done a hugely authentic sound design and Barnaby Edwards had to sit him down and go, David, no, this is supposed to be, they're telling a story. Everything's got to be exaggerated, which is oh. why, you know, when a cutlass is being swung, he, he describes it as being the cutlassiest cutlass. I see. Everything's got to be like Disney, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So he had to go back and he goes, yeah, but everyone's going to think I'm doing terrible sound design. He goes, well, that's the point of the story uh-huh. is that it's all exaggerated. So originally, it was all very calm and the sea was calm and all this. And he goes, no, you know, we need the CSC. Mm. We need the creakiest ship, you know, the uh, the shiniest doubloons. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Bless you. <laughs> Barney says that... Barney, as if I know him. <laughs> oh, Barney. Barney says that, I thought this would be one of those productions that people either love or hate, and it's gratifying that people seem to have It got such a great re- reaction. It didn't, didn't have it? to, though, did it? It could have gone either way. It could have, but... Well, after Bang Bang A Boom, yeah. After something like that, but it's a different... It's not like The One Doctor, it's not like Bang Bang A Boom. I don't think it's up there with those for me. Oh, you're mad. It's just under a little bit. Well, as a comedy or as a story? As a story. You're crazy. This is one of the best I stories. Know. I still would put One Doctor and Bang Bang A Boom. I would enjoy them more than this. But Bang Bang A Boom does not have one moment of emotional honesty in it. It's just a load of gags. Love. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Winterfully Adept. No, no, no. That's what she says. Doesn't she? No, Winterfully Adept. That's Miss Tremaine, isn't it? Love. Marriage. Oh my God, are you drunk? We haven't mentioned about Miss Tremaine for a while. So. We've been drinking no, my wine and it's been non-alcoholic, but now I'm worrying. <laughs> I was being Anfio. Doesn't she say? Man, oh, mad, passionate love. That's what I meant. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> um... 
what else have I got? Let me just say, oh, there's one other thing I really wanted to say because there was a scene that mirrored a scene in the Marion Conspiracy or the Marion Conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> if you happen to be Dylan Reese. Um, <laughs> sorry, Dylan. We love you, really. He's coming to see us in a few days. We love him. Um, and that is, she pulls out chocolate. Yes. Just like she did in mm. the Marion Yes, she does, doesn't she? Yes. And she thinks it's going to yeah. be the same. They're all going to be in love with it. Mm. And he drinks it. He throws it to one side. And he starts throttling. Mm. The, the, and it, it starts off as a really light, gentle scene. And it suddenly just becomes really violent and horrible. Jim is a little bit like, Mistress Evelyn, Mistress Evelyn. No, Marion Conspiracy. He sounded like Will Chandler from, from The, the Awakening. Awakening. Yeah, yeah. Sounds on evil, bro, yeah. don't it? <laughs> it's nice because Jacqueline Rayner wrote Marion Conspiracy as well. She so didn't she write knows. The Awakening, though. No, she didn't. It would have been much better if she did. Oh, and it's um, so lovely because you get the scenes between Jem and Evelyn where they're yeah. really getting close and he says about his dad and all of this. Mm. But what I really liked was how Bill Oddie played up the comedy pirate. He's great casting for it because that's what you get Bill Oddie in to do. But until he didn't. Until he's a, suddenly he's just a psychotic that is going to mm. kill you. And he's really scary. Oh, I just think this is brilliantly done. And the last couple of... You don't normally get a, a sustained coda like you do at the end of this. And it's the Doctor and Sally, and the Doctor saying to Sally basically mm. what the story's been about. Mm. But it's not done in a way that's obvious like that, where he's looking at the audience going, right, do you get it? You know, And you probably couldn't have had this earlier on in Big Finish, because you need they've established now this kind of sixth Doctor. Yeah. The new Sixie is here. If this had been a one-off, you'd be like... Who's if you'd had like Whispers of Terror, then you'd have this. <laughs> I know. Then it would have been, but because we know this new Sixth Doctor yeah. that's had time with Evelyn, it does really fit really well, and that is the best of Sixy. And what we don't realise until the very end of the story is, because we don't know Jem's dead till the end of the story, is mm. that she failed to save a young person's life. Mm. So when she goes home, tra- traumatised after that, and gets the letter from Sally she realises Sally is going to kill herself, so she's desperate to save a young person's life because she couldn't do it in the pirate mm. story. And she uses the pirate story to do that. It's circular, it's emotional, it's beautifully done. There's a lovely bit where she goes, I've never known you to be tired, Evelyn. Sally says that. And she goes, I'm an old woman now. I get tired. Mm. And she goes off to bed. And the doctor basically says that I love her and I had to do this for her to come and, to come and be with you. And getting through the night is sometimes all you need. And then the very last line of the story is her singing, um, what is it, Boldly Shines, A New Dawn. So you know, okay. It's okay, yeah, she's made it through the night. Gonna, she's going to be okay. You hear the bird song. And, and then we, yeah. it jumps into that fabulous... <laughs> so overall? Yeah, really good. It is like a nine for me. It is up there. That, well, mine's quite high. Yeah, yeah. Is this one of your all-time favourites? This is up there with The One Doctor, Jubilee, and I think... I don't think I've had... Oh, and Holy Terror mm. and The Pirates. So far, those four, absolute gold. So now it's time for Mark's Chronology Moment. <laughs> Well, hello and welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Patrick Moore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't do it. He's not perfect. David, David Attenborough. David Attenborough. Yeah. Hello. Welcome to the chronology moment. <laughs> and here we see 
Necromantia. <laughs> just do your voice. Abandoned in the wild. No. Okay. So Necromantia. Fifth Doctor Perry and Aaron straight after Church and the Crown. E, C. So we've got I, the Scorpion. We've got... Ch- no! We've got I, the Scorpion. No place like home. No. No. Play- no! We've got... I, the Scorpion. I, the Scorpion. Church, Church and the, the Crown. Crown. No, no place, place like home. home. Necromantia. Yes. Yeah, so we had three stories before we had a dud. Yeah. Just one very, very short one. Yeah, and no more Antronac, unfortunately. Well, what about so. the Dark Flame? And then the Dark Flame... Well... It's in that weird bit at the moment where we don't really have much around, do we? Because we don't have Benice's joining story yet, but we will have eventually. Love oh, and War love, will of be. Of we do, yeah. But, so it's just straight after Shadow of the Scourge at the moment. Don't they do Love and, then... and War and they do Nightshade? Yeah, yeah. Her first yeah, Oh, did they put Bernice in Nightshade? No, no, Bernice wasn't ever in Nightshade. Oh, that's before that, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting confused. And then the Pirates, straight after Jubilee. So this so is a Jubilee season the, two. Does Jubilee the start of the season? Yeah. Oh. We've got Jubilee, Doctor and the Pirates. We don't have anywhere for real time yet, so that's straight off the Pirates at the moment. Was it not like mid-season? Or, sorry, well, no, between seasons. Well, I was waiting until we had a reference to the blue coat, and we haven't had that yet. There was a bit in the Pirates, though, where he was just about to describe yeah. what he was wearing, and then they cut off and it went. I think they did that deliberately. Oh, God damn um, So... Real time is still that one we're just waiting for at the moment. So big finish realise we need those details yeah, to put yeah. these stories so in I'm place. listening out, but we haven't had that yet. Listen to me getting as excited as you about the but chronology. I think he wears a blue coat in Project Lazarus coming up, but we'll see. I think he's in a blue coat on the cover. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Doesn't mean he's, it's in the CD, though, in the audio. Well, we shall find out. We shall find we... out. So, yeah, really simple one this time, everyone. Very simple. Just adding on to the end of all the others. Well, it's going to be just as simple in the realm of... Ho, 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 duck, ho, ho. <laughs> He's a big old ho. Okay, so about Necromantia, Doc Ho says... Ne- oh dear. Necromantia is a confused mess of hackneyed characterization, ludicrous technobabble and far too many threads. It copies the aesthetics of Case of Androzani without any of the world-building, stunning dialogue and shocking twists. That's true, yeah. It's very trying to be Androzani, but it's just sort not. Sort of grim like Androzani. Just without any yeah. character or... <laughs> He's got something to say about uh, the rape as well. Oh, God. Just one thing. Don't do it again, Big Finish. Well, they don't, do they? They don't. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> uh, even the TV series did it twice, didn't it? In Keys of Marinus and the Time Meddler. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Necromantia just doesn't have... Oh, God, let's just not even... Awful. No, 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 awful. Okay, so The Dark Flame. Uh, he says, another disappointing Sylvester McCoy story, which is starting to become the norm for Big Finish. <laughs> well, yeah, do you know what? Doc O had a real downer on Sylvester McCoy. Mm. I think he even looked at some pretty good stories and gave them low marks. So... Shame on you, Doc Ho. He says, it's an agonisingly awful turn by Sylvester McCoy. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> uh, there are a pre- plethora of problems with the Dark Flame, most of which come down to traditional Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Trevor Baxendale? Uh, yeah. Traditional Trevor. Wait, wait, wait. Well, I bet he's never been called that before. I'm not finished. Traditional Trevor planting the New Adventures team in a story that is so stereotypically Doctor Who that Rebecca Levine would have taken one look at it and tossed it in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Rebecca Levine? 
she uh, edited the New Adventure series. There we go. I think she probably would have done as well if she'd seen that. Uh, and Doctor Who and the Pirates, he says, Maggie Stables tears your heart out at the end of this story. I do think yeah, she does. Yeah, true. Um, all the songs are full of memorable lines and delights, but by far the most accomplished, and it's stuff full of more continuity references than a book co-written by Craig Hinton, Gary Russell and David A. McKinty. Is Gallifrey and Buccaneer. Oh, that's one of the best, yeah. Uh, finally, he says, the jokes are funny, the songs are wonderful, and the direction is flawless. It's clearly the standout of this set, isn't it? Of oh, of course. Oh, absolutely, out of these three. I, I mean, what? <laughs> it's, got more, it's got more fun and energy than Necromantia, and it's more experimental and interesting than The Dark Flame. Well, Shall we find out what our big old hoes think? Oh, my God. Some of these. Uh, well, let's find out who is our biggest hoe today. Who Although, is the biggest hoe? It's always difficult to find the threads on these things, so <laughs> sorry if we miss anything out. Matt Michael. Oh, Matt Michael, journalist extraordinaire. Well, he says, Necromantia, not quite as bad as I'd been given to expect. Ooh. See, that's on my side. Um, which is to say, Why it do is you very do bad. Why do you do that? I don't think it's the worst Doctor Who thing I've ever heard. It's got tons of problems, lots of people shouting. Things does not equal... Drama. Things does not equal drama. Oh, lots of people shouting things does not actually equal drama. That's a good point. So he's basically saying it's shit, but not as bad as he thought it was. He goes on to say some of the dialogue is hideously clunky, only on radio. Um, They have taken out his tongue and his heart. Oh my god, the cloaked ship has been destroyed and we're in the path of the incoming debris. (laughs) And there's an adolescent (laughs) obsession with Perry's nude body and grisly torture. The witches are ridiculously hammy. In the middle of all this, Davison holds the piece together, channeling his best breathless snake dance acting to provide the still point in the middle of all the silly noise. Yeah, actually, I did think Davison was trying to bring gravitas to that story. I don't know if it succeeded, but he was certainly trying. Mm. Uh, James H on Necromantia. One good cliffhanger doesn't make up for a plot that even Blake Seven would say was too grim. <laughs> oh, yes, it was very Blake Seven. We said that when we were listening, didn't no, we? No, he's quoted as saying he was doing a Blake Seven-esque style story. Yes, they have a few good guest voices, but whoever thought this was a script that should get to the recording stage really needs to rethink their standards. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, David Gillespie-Pratt. Yeah? He says, <laughs> Necromantia, absolutely deserving of its reputation. Absolutely the worst story Big Finish have ever rep- produced. Crude and nasty without a single redeeming feature. Even some good quality actors can't save this one. I've got to say I'm erring more towards David Gillespie Pratt than I am towards mm. Matt Michael. Well, Michael Mills says the gore in Necromantia is a bit adolescent, but the sort of thing over the excited authors came up with a lot in the wilderness years. Mm. It's true. It's probably more new adventures yeah. in the Dark Flame, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, in that sort of sort of nasty mm, way. Yeah. yeah. Stick Sophie Eldred in there. She'd deal with it. <laughs> I, do you like my knife, do you? <laughs> do you like my tip covered in oil? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, and then stab him. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. I actually really like the whole science fantasy witchy vibes. Frank Herbert done as a satire of corporate greed. Oh, how interesting. Oh, God, he's so smart, Michael Mills, you know. Very smart man. Um, Chris? Chris Ogburn says, three great stories. What? The NA vibe of the dark flame, Benny Love. Although we agree on that. Yeah. Then my reevaluated team of five Perry and Eremim. But the best story is Jacqueline Rayner's Pirates, a Doctor Who story, almost a musical. Colin and Maggie, Maggie are on absolute fire, and the story broke my heart. Yes. yes. I don't agree with the other two, but yeah, that one. 
What's the question? Oh, he says, the pirates really got me emotionally, uh, but I'm a big softie. Are there other Who stories that for you two broke you? Could be in any medium. Yeah, well, I said earlier, it's Arrangements for War for me. Really, really got me. Oh, oh and there's a Joe Grant one in Legacy of Time. Is oh, it Legacy God. of Time? Oh, well, like... she phones up and there's the... Yeah, that was really sad, I thought. Oh, and of course, the one that made me cry the most, that basically gave me a breakdown, was Lucy Miller falling apart at the end of Death in Blackpool. That made me really oh, sad. Medium. I don't know if there is any for me, actually. No, because you don't have a heart, that's why. I'll have to have a think on that. I, nothing springs to mind. You have to understand, really listeners, sad. Mark does not experience emotions. <laughs> so he I'm never get upset think. about big there finished must stories. Be, there must be somewhere. I was sad when Antronac got... Turned into that thing. Cat, what is wrong with you? Uh, uh, what about when um, uh, Liv Chenka picked up the phone to her dad in the, the um, telephone yeah. one? That was really yeah. sad. Yeah, nothing's to mind at the moment. But oh, I'll let sorry, you know. Chris. I'll I'll let I'm, you know. Basically, you know, I'm like you, very emotional. I could, there's and loads Mark of, is basically no, commander data. There's loads of neighbours moments, though. I'll tell you about them later. <laughs> 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 More neighbours than Necromantia, unfortunately. Well, what else do the hoes have to say? Right, these hoes. Okay, Dave Rennie. Ah, Dave, yes. The Pirates is excellent. I did wonder how will this work, but it's genius. Dark Flame is about people talking about the Dark Flame a lot, <laughs> as the Dark Flame is the Dark Flame. Is there any plot to that one? As for the other one, I've avoided it like the plague after reading reviews. Oh, wow. yeah, keep it that way. You know, he's right. They do mention the Dark Flame a lot in the Dark Flame, don't they? <laughs> Joe Short. Oh, lovely Joe. Says, Pirates, another 16 evening classic. Say, she's lovely. Unusual and de- deals with grief and loss in a sympathetic manner. Yeah, very much. So. Very delicately done. Which is why I said to you, I think this would still pass the grade now if it went through Cardiff. Mm. Cy uh, Hart. Who? Cy Hart. Who's that? <laughs> he says, one masterpiece, one highly average, one absolutely awful release there. I think we know exactly. <laughs> yes. So hang on, what's it? One masterpiece? I think he's talking about Pirates. Yeah, one highly average. average. That's Dark Flame? Yeah, one absolutely awful release. Seriously, Necromantia is nasty and not a fun listen. So we know that's the dumb. Mm. Okay. Uh, Crashed Dummy. Crashed Dummy, says, hello. Are the rightly controversial parts of Necromantia something that who should ne- just never touch? Yes. Yes. Um, for me, it has no place, especially as an act in a story. The most it should ever be like is Miss Hartigan. You can take the inference of what may have happened, but it's never explicit. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, yeah, because she makes, she makes a reference, doesn't she, to the mm. fact that she was, was like prostituting herself out to get up, up in life mm. in The Next Doctor, but she doesn't actually specifically say it. She says, like, the evils that men do or something like that. Mm. It's It's very ambiguous. Yes. Rod who? Ah, oh, Rod, my co-host from Strictly Come Hamster. At this stage, it felt as if the seventh Doctor was getting a raw deal. Yeah, that's what, what I said. said. What I said that that <laughs> Dark Flame <laughs> followed the rapture and Bang Bang A Boom, both which were highly experimental and not highly <laughs> successful. Oh my god. Uh, Rod, I swear I didn't read that comment <laughs> you are out. winning right now. <laughs> uh, Dark Flame was equally floundering, especially when followed by the confident pirates. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. You see why he's the co-host? He's very mm. smart. LSJ. Oh, well, that's says, Luke. That's Luke from my Hamster Book Club. Oh. Uh, the Dark Flame is okay. 
Trev has done much better since. Trev. That would be traditional um, Trev. Traditional Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the Pirates is a Stone Cold classic. Necromantia is absolute stank butter. Oh, <laughs> uh, what does that mean? It sounds horrible, and so is Necromantia. So stank there we go. Stank butter. Well, I've never Luke, heard that before. Could you tell us what a stank butter oh, is, please? Just, I don't want to know. Ooh. Oh, a cup of perry in it. <laughs> you know when you, you know when you use lubricant up your butt. Oh God, is that stank? Can butter? we just let's move on, okay. please? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. The toy maker's cat oh. <laughs> says, "Oh sweet God!" No, he says, "Meow." <laughs> oh sweet God! In this instance, one out of three isn't bad. Doctor Who and the Pirates is great, full of music, emotion and fun. The Dark Flame I barely remember, and less said about Necromantia, the better. So we're getting the impression that most people hate... We're all well, agreed no, on this. I think most... everybody, aren't we all? No, well, we'll aren't keep we? reading. Oh. We might find something different. I think, ultimately, the Pirates is considered the classic. Dark Flame people are like, mm, it's average. Um, Necromantia is, you know, mm. stank butter. <laughs> um, Ape with Anxiety mm. says, Pirates is one of the best cliffhangers in Who history. Oh, yeah. Um, Pesky Splinter uh, says Necromantia was a big. Are they seriously going to do this? Oh, they are. Christ. Although it's admittedly been a long time since I've listened to it. Yeah, don't. I wouldn't go back. Have you ever had a Pesky Splinter? And I don't no. mean have you had sex with that man. <laughs> I mean, have you ever had a? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't know either. But have you ever had a? Splinter. That's very yes, hard yeah, to get anyway. rid of. Um, they kept, they continue. The Dark oh. Flame, I think, I get mixed up with All Consuming Fire. Okay. All Consuming Fire is great, actually. Yeah. I've read the book and heard the audio. <laughs> oh, the book was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Has it got Nicholas Briggs in it? It is. Sherlock Holmes. Yes, it is. Mm. Okay. Um, Doctor Who and the Pirates is fantastic and manages to be moving as well. Just so many quality moments. Yeah. Oh, we got... Oh, here we go. Big ho. Big old ho. Luke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Necromantia might have been shocking at the time but I've heard a million big finishes like this apart from the head chopping and rape insinuating <laughs> I mean that is a good point they are there's a lot like that that sort of spacey military that is after witchy, Nick Briggs took control because he likes yeah, that sort of pose face that is fiction. not the type of thing no, I like yeah. at least the controversy gives us a hint of interest Nick's actual worst crime is that it's boring as fuck it is. Well, I mean, it's very boring. <laughs> Luke, that's why, you're, that's why you're biggest hoe, because you use the word fuck in your review. Thank you. Oh, Dark Flame was also boring, AF. Yeah, it was very boring. <laughs> Derivative Doctor Who is worse. One of the worst BFs I've ever heard. Has he got a boyfriend? <laughs> oh, big finishes. Sorry. Yeah, big finishes. I mean, Dark Flame isn't the worst. I mean, you can't say... I've listened to Nick Frontier. Oh, by the way, Dark Flame's the worst one I've heard. No, but it is also... It's, it, I think it's boring because it's so mired in all the cliches. Mm. But the pirates, joyous. Inventive and so smart. I hate pirates in general, but this makes me love them. Musicals are fab, so part three soars. The way the narration ties in with the point of telling the story in the first place. Genius and touching. I, do you know what? I don't think I've ever agreed with Luke Malloy more than I have with all those statements. Yeah. You know, so not only is he a handsome man, but he's also he knows what he's talking about. incredibly right as well. Is that everybody? Uh, I think so. Oh, no, who's this? Time travel. Tr- no, trime visual. Oh, trime visual. 
Oh, uh, says Necromantia. Really? We had to go there? How can one scene utterly ruin a potentially solid tale? Oh, really? potentially solid? Okay. It's an I don't opinion. Think it, I mean, that scene is the controversial scene, but it's not the only problem with that story. People are allowed to have an opinion, uh, Mark. Dark Flame, I listened to it once. Uh, and Pirates, best comedy cliffhanger ever. <laughs> oh, An amazing oh, tale with toe-tapping music and tons of comedy that suddenly rips your heart out in the last five minutes, perfectly advancing Evelyn's character arc. A big finish, true classic. John J.D. David. He recorded with me for the first time this week. Oh, says Doctor Who and the Pirates, continuing the brilliant Evelyn, who is by the best companion for six. Yes. A musical, a story within a story. Very definition of unreliable narrator and the twist that is well thought out. Eight out of ten. Eight's pretty high. We'll take it. Oh, and this. Oh, sorry. There's James H again. Oh, go on. Uh, the dark flame. This really muddies the waters over the canonicity of Benny. The what of Benny? Canonicity. Thank you. I'm reading this like Sylvester McCoy reading the script of the Dark Flame all of these. It's the first time I've seen these. Canonicity of Benny. (laughs) I'm doing my best Sylvester McCoy sight reading with all these. (laughs) Scourge is at least the side trip into Virgin Territory tag, but wasn't this just a regular release? Yes. Not as bad as Necro, but damn close. A Joseph origin story that somehow got a sequel. The Pirates, heartbreaking and an emotional rollercoaster, deeply disturbing. That's just hearing Collins sing an octave higher than sounds safe. <laughs> <gasps> yes, it's uh, GNS, Gilbert and Sullivan, isn't it always? But it's done well. And another perfect performance from Maggie. All the right notes in the right order. Fantastic. What a great review. All the right notes in all the right order. I really like that. Okay. So I think the conclusion we're drawing is that everybody agrees precisely with our opinions. Yeah, it's one time uh, I round. Mean, I thought that would be the case. Yeah. I thought that would be it. Well, Hose, thank you for yeah, your you input, as ever. Yes. You are all you handsome, pretty, charismatic, charming, and intelligent. And a load of sluts as well. <laughs> With your opinion, that is. Right. Let's get some oral audacity sorted. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've shut my book. Hang on. Are you ready? Play. Three questions. Yes. I'll go on then. What's your first? Okay, so who is in the bath in part two of Necromantia pretending to be Perry? So that's who is genuinely in the bath on the production team of Necromantia. Oh my god, pretending to be Nicola Bryant as Perry. John Ainsworth. No, it is sound technician David Darlington. <laughs> so there you go. Wow. He's body doubled for Nicola Bryan. Wow. <laughs> There's a fact. I bet all those people who are tossing off to Perry in the bar <laughs> now feel a bit dirty. What's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um Well, obviously we visit the Garazone Bazaar. What other story do we visit this place? Oh, sort of Orion. Yeah. Now, my next question about the Dark Flame is a chronology question. Mm-hmm. So you should be the expert okay. in this. What two books in the New Adventure series is the Dark Flame actually specified to be set in between? Really? Yes. So you have to add this to your chronology now. <laughs> well, they're picking up Benny from somewhere. I wonder if they. She's been away for a while, so maybe. 
because she sort of drops in and out. Well, actually, Ace drops in and out a bit, and Benny drops in and out a bit over this, over all the new adventures. Um, after all consuming fire. Oh, fuck off. It was. Yes. And before. I don't know. Oh, then you got it wrong. Oh. It's, I said between. What's it between? It's after all consuming fire and before blood harvest. Oh, well, close. You get there ha- we go. Half a point okay. for that. Half a point. Well, in this story, and you quoted it earlier, the doctor says, sleep is for Chelonians. <laughs> <laughs> but what two other audio stories are the Chelonians in oh, bugger. Well, or no. other big Finnish audio. I know they're so, in the higher science than okay, new yeah, adventure one. adaptation. Well, they're in the audio of that. Yeah, what other one are they in? Oh, I don't know. Finnish adventure. Have I heard it? I'm not sure. Oh, is it Bernice? No. Oh, tell me. The well-mannered war. Oh, I haven't heard it, but I should have known it because I've read mm. the book. God damn it. Okay. Well, your final question then for this round of oral audacity is Doctor Who and the Pirates which was the longest episode? I don't think it was the musical one. I think it's part four. Would you like to take a guess at how long it part four is which is the correct answer by the way. So you did get the question right. By 40 minutes? Uh, it's 35 minutes and 24 seconds and which is the shortest episode? The musical one. It is. Episode three at 28 seconds and... 28 minutes. 28 minutes, 28 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Just call no, 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 no. <laughs> Anything you could do, I could do that. Uh, woo, woo. No, um, 28 minutes and seven seconds. Mm, yeah. So um, that, I think that makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so Jem is played by Dan Barrett. Yeah, was it? Oh, mm. that's nice. And <laughs> he has been involved in a television, Doctor Who... What Has was he? his role? Was he in a new series story? Yeah. No. It's not another pirate story, is it? No. Oh, I was going to say that would be funny if he was in um, Curse of the Black Spot. Dad Barrett. Is he putting on that same accent? No. Oh. Now tell me. He is a Dalek operator in Army of Ghosts. And Doomsday. Oh, fuck's sake, didn't even see his face. <laughs> well, so I said he was involved with Trick question. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Go. I'm really going really to look at a Dalek wobbling and go, oh, there's Jim the Cabin no, Boy. Next time you see, watch Army of Ghosts, you can think of wow. Doctor and the Pirates. Oh, Jim is in there. I bet it's a huge moment on his CV. <laughs> <laughs> well, what? There we are. Well, that wraps up our three yeah. stories for today. I've got one last question for you before we talk about what we're doing next. Okay. What do you think's more interesting to talk about? A mixed bunch like this, where you've got, you know, like a dud, an out-and-out dud, an average story, and then a classic, or, like, all classics? No, I think uh, I, the ones that are more controversial are more interesting to talk about, aren't they? I think, yeah. But I do like talking about the ones we really love as well. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Because I think you and I love accentuating the positive of Big Finish. Yeah. But... Sometimes. There's only so much you can talk about in a really. It's hard to do it. Yeah. No one wants to break that one down anyway, do they, really? Of this one hour and a half, we only did about 15 <laughs> minutes on Didn't even talk about the goat statue. Oh, God, all that shit, wasn't it? Um, so, well, I'm, I'm riveted to know oh. where we're going next. Well, we're going to another range, Ooh. different range that we've been to before. Judge Dredd. We're back to the 2000 AD yes! range. go on! So, the four stories that we will be... Uh, talking about next time are uh, Judge Dread, Dreadline. 
<laughs> yes. Strontium dog, fire from heaven. Oh, they've got a lot of work to do after that first one. Judge Dredd, 99, code red. Oh, that sounds enticing. Judge Dredd, war planet. War planet? Oh, so, God, that's after adventures in store and mega city. After the big shot. And I love Judge Dredd. We're looking forward to these now. Who'd have thought? No, no, man. The second you said 2000 AD, I came a little bit, you know. Honestly. (laughs) Oh, amazing. Well, we'll see you next time. And I am Enigma Smith saying goodbye on this episode. (laughs) And don't forget to finish me.